Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Aaron Goldhammer. And Aaron, first question for you. Yes. How many items is too many items to bring in the express lane? As we um, just heard Hunter Pence there. I am a rule breaker. And the <laughs> other day, a little Whole Foods, uh, Warrensville Heights, Cleveland, Ohio, I brought 17 items in the express lane. Now, the express lane at this Whole Foods is a self-checkout, not a like person there helping you check out, which is a whole other conversation because I'm terrible at bagging. So I really actually like going through where someone's there to help you because I'm terrible. I always put like the, the heaviest thing on top of the bag. I'm awful. Um, but I went through with the 17 items, and it was no problem. I was like, why, why is anybody even – I feel like it's an idea. It's a rough estimate of 12 mm-hmm. items. It's not exactly 12 items. Yeah, and I'm sure some items, if they're smaller items, you can kind of get away with it. If it's bigger items, I think people might look at you a little bit sideways. But if yeah. it's a self-checkout, My though, wife is a total really rule follower. She's in the room right now, and I think she's appalled the idea that I went through the express lane in 17 items because she would probably go through her basket, right? And you would count and check <laughs> to make sure that you were under 1,000%. Yep. Great rule follower. It's why we balance out each other so well. Well, I do have one more question for you. Are you the type of person yes. that leaves your cart in the parking lot, or do you put it away in the designated always put spot? It, always, put okay. it, always put it away. Always so you are away. a rule follower in some regards. I don't mean to call anybody out, but I have a teammate in Cleveland. Oh, no. That for months parked in a handicapped parking spot and just went into work, just like did her thing. And no one had said anything. But when I noticed it, I called it out right. I was like, you cannot do that. Never got ticketed once. And just said, like, this is the closest parking spot. I'm taking it like that. I'm not a rule breaker to that level, but I think that the items in the express lane, it's that's like just an estimate and just like a concept, not really yes. like something specific. Well, that parking spot is egregious to park there. The audacity, as they say, Aaron, the audacity. Uh-huh. Well, you know what felt like a supermarket? The New York Mets, because they were selling everything off at the trade deadline, selling absolutely everything. And one of the big headlines, of course, is Max Scherzer. Yeah, you know. Bing bong. There you go. Max Scherzer going to the Texas Rangers. Uh, they sent Scherzer and Cash West in exchange for a shortstop prospect. Scherzer has since opted into his 2024 player option worth more than $43 million. And the Rangers only responsible for $22.5 million of what's owed to Scherzer. The Mets clearly realizing that this season was not what they expected to be. It was an abject failure. And they made a hard pivot. Max Scherzer and his presser Shed a little light, Aaron, into why he wanted out of New York. Here's what Max Scherzer had to say. 
The team is now kind of shifting vision, and uh, they're looking to compete for 2025 and 2026. It was not going to be a reload situation. It was going to be more of a transition in 2024. You know, we're looking to compete outside my contract window. I said, okay, you know, that's a brand news to me, different than what I'd ever heard out of uh, Steve's mouth. I was like, all right, I got to hear this directly from Steve. So I had a phone call with Steve, and he basically articulated the same vantage point, that that was the new vision for the Mets. Then I said, yes, I will waive my no-trade clause. We went into the season, you know, with high expectations. Uh, rightfully so. We had a very good team. Unfortunately, we didn't play up to it. And because of where everybody is at within their contract situation, age, everything, Billy and Steve, they had a different vision now. The math changed on them. You know, they wanted to be able to flip guys for prospects. So what do you think about Scherzer's revelations there, Aaron? First of all, I would have appreciated him acknowledging part of the reason that the Mets stunk this year is because Max Scherzer stunk this year. Do you know who leads the league in home runs allowed in Major League Baseball? It's Max Scherzer. Do you know whose ERA is over four? It's Max Scherzer. So he's got to understand, first of all, Michelle, that he's part of the reason why his underperformance Mm -hmm. is part of the reason why the Mets had to make this psychological shift. No? Yes, absolutely. But when have you ever really seen a professional athlete get up on the podium and say, Hi, I'm the problem. Do the old Taylor Swift. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. They're not going to do that. He's he's pivoting and saying, hey, I'm in with a new team. I feel rejuvenated. I'm with a contender. And their timeline yeah. was not enough for me. He's 39 years old. There's a lot of mileage on that arm. And yes, of course, his performance, or as you said, his underperformance this year was a big contributing factor to the lack of success that the Mets had. But he's never going to admit that. Yeah, I I guess I just like some sense of self-awareness. Um, I guess the other piece of it to me is that it makes total and complete sense. I mean, I, I think the idea that the Mets could just buy a championship because they got a rich owner finally after the Wilpons, at least in the mind of Mets fans, were cheapening out or they lost all their money to Bernie Madoff or whatever happened. They finally had a guy that can spend. They thought that they would just be right there as a contender every year. That Especially in baseball, that doesn't guarantee you anything. I mean, you look at the teams with the highest payrolls, and yeah, maybe their contention windows are, but a lot of times those teams just buy the most expensive, underproductive contracts in baseball. So I think the Mets have realized that while they do have the advantage of financial resources, the concept of just buying a championship with a bunch of 40-year-old pitchers, that is not a good plan. (laughs) You're going to have to come up with a different, better plan in order to be successful and finally bring the fans of New York, their first Met championship since 1986. Yeah, the the blueprint for success is building within, having cost-controlled young players and then potentially buying some free agents, some big-name fish uh, to put the cherry on top, if you want. That's what the Dodgers have been the blueprint for so long because so many of their guys are homegrown and then they supplement when they need to. And it seems like that's what Steve Cohen and the Mets have, have zagged to. They realize that going out there and having an historic offseason where they spent all this money and tried to put together all of these big names, that didn't work. So what are they doing? They're zagging and they're replenishing the farm system. To me, this isn't all that surprising. I think that in sports, there's generally new owner syndrome, Michelle. Mm-hmm. When a new owner comes in and buys a team, David Tepper did this in Carolina for sure, uh, where you think you're smarter than everybody else, and generally you're competitive and you've been good at everything you've ever done before in your life because you're a billionaire who can afford a sports team. So 
you de- you go and you decide like we're going to raise payroll and make big splashes and then you realize 3 or 4 years in that you're treating the team that you own like you're a fan and you can't do that <laughs> like what, what if the fans called all the shots for a sports team that team would perennially suck because <laughs> they'd be quick on the trigger for things they'd draft you know people that were like just the decisions that fans would make, you know, if you listen to the fans, you're going to be sitting with them is the old adage. Mm-hmm. And it felt like for the first couple of years of his tenure, Michelle, Steve Cohen acted like a Mets fan. He bought like the Mets fans wanted. He made the moves that the Mets fans wanted to make. And now he's realizing that Benny from the Bronx, <laughs> whatever, like isn't the best person to be determining what you do with your offseason. Right. Yeah. To be a really successful GM, you need to be devoid of emotion. You can't let your emotions get away. And it felt like Steve Cohen, whether it was excitement or anticipate lack of anticipation, he let his emotions dictate what he was going to do and spending all this money, and it didn't work out. We heard from Max Scherzer on why he agreed to the trade to the Texas Ranger. Let's hear from the Mets side of things and their GM, Billy Epler. Given the place we're in, the odds we're facing, you know, it was a strategic decision. You know, we kind of took this opportunity to um, to kind of serve another goal of the organization, which is to uh, enhance the farm system. So, but I do want to be clear that it's not a rebuild. Um, it's not a fire sale. It's not a liquidation. This is just a repurposing of, you know, Steve's investment in the club, kind of shifting that investment from oh the team into the organization. Okay, so that was on July 30th after they had moved Scherzer. Since then, they moved David Robertson. They moved Tommy Pham, Eduardo Escobar, Justin Verlander, and Mark Canna. So it's a fire sale. It was a fire sale. The end of that, I appreciate Billy trying to draw a distinction between this or that. But no, this is semantics, Mr. Epler. This is a fire sale, but it's an understandable one. By the way, Michelle, they're still paying the pitchers a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But you tell you how much they think of Max Scherzer, they're going to pay him a ton of money to pitch for somebody else. And the same thing with Verlander. But what they got in exchange for their money was different. Rather than a 40-year-old pitcher, you got yourself a highly touted prospect that maybe you could develop in your system and have a little bit more organic culture built in your team And not this idea that you're just going to go shopping at the supermarket of all-stars from 10 years ago and thinking that that's a way to try to develop a championship. That's the one thing you can't buy is culture, chemistry, cohesion. And I know that sounds so simple. And you think if you bring in all these guys, including guys who have won elsewhere and know what a winning culture is like, that you can implement that. But it's so much more complicated than that. And I think that's what the Mets are realizing. He's Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and PROGRESSIVE.COM. Mike McCarthy is putting his head coaching career on the line. I've worked with head coaches who are play callers. It is difficult. It's not like we've thrown away our playbook and tried to start over or anything like that. I mean, obviously we've had some success. It's been good having Mike in there. I think he's going to bring a edge to our offense. We're still going to run the football. It's going to be a big part of what we're doing. He's won the Super Bowl and he's been to championship games calling plays, so he knows exactly what it takes. The fact that we're doing this, Mike's calling the plays, this has everything to do with the positive of this round deck. It's building around deck. A lot of pressure 
on the Dallas Cowboys this year, Aaron Goldhammer. A lot of pressure on Mike McCarthy and a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott. Do you think Dak Prescott's going to be up for it this season? I mean, in the regular season, sure. Don't we know what Dak Prescott is? You know, I think one of the worst things you can do in the NFL and maybe in sports in general is pay Dak Prescott like he's Patrick Mahomes. Here's the problem. He's not bad enough to get rid of him, but he's also not good enough to get you over the top. So I think McCarthy is the next guy on the chopping block there, Mm -hmm. so to speak. But like now, I think their defense is good enough. I think their weapons are good enough. I think their offensive line is good enough. Actually, the thing I question the most about their team is their coach, and I do question their quarterback. I'll go back. I think the San Francisco playoff games really broke me, Michelle, on Dak Prescott each of the last two years. There's this great camera shot that they keep using on the TV side at ESPN of these sad, gothic cowboy fans. Do you know what I'm talking about? Every time the cowboys are talked about on first take, they have these like sad cowboy fans with black lipstick on (laughs) that just look like the epitome of fan depression. And, you know, that's how I'm left feeling if I'm a cowboy fan watching Dak not deliver in the clutch in these last two San Francisco playoff games and get beat by really mid quarterbacks like Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know that they think the interceptions and the turnovers are going to not be a problem moving forward. Before last year, he never had more than 13 in a season. He was tied for the league lead in interceptions last year with 15. And by the way, he missed five games with a broken thumb. And of course, two to the, in the playoff game versus the 49ers, as you mentioned. Right. But it seems like the Cowboys continue to have faith in Dak, whether it's to say, no, the interceptions won't continue, or he's our guy, we believe in him. Uh, Are they wrong to believe in him? Here's Stephen A. Smith, who had an interesting take on first take. I mean, duh. I mean, of course they said, of course they're setting them up. I mean, they're, giving, they're, they're talking about doing everything but giving them a pacifier and a bib. Are you kidding me? They've done everything to pacify this guy, Dak Prescott. Uh, who the hell didn't know that? Okay, you said, oh, if they keep doing this, there's no way. I mean, you're not going to beat the Eagles that way. You're damn right they're not going to beat the Eagles. Throw the 49ers into the equation as well. They ain't going to beat them either. They've lost to them the last two years in the playoffs. Duh, we understand what this is this is what the Dallas Cowboys do your reaction to Stephen A. Aaron who says that they have they've babied Dak and given him everything except a pacifier and a bib well first of all Stephen A.'s Cowboys takes are well known with a long track record but you know what's crazy about them because he hates the Cowboys so much and he laughs at the Cowboys and he shows up with his Mm -hmm. cowboy hat and his cigar and is that Stephen A. is right about the Cowboys a lot and I think at some point, Jerry and McCarthy and everybody there is going to have to realize they're going to have to get better play out of that guy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're never going to go where. Now, if you got Dak Prescott at a really cheap contract, I think you could build a good enough team around him that you could win consistently. It's not the interceptions, Michelle. It's two minutes to go. First and 10 at your own 25 yard line. Do you really think Dak Prescott against a good defense in a crazy road atmosphere is going to lead his team down 75 yards for a touchdown? And I feel no about that. And I think they're reluctant to want to acknowledge what Dak Prescott is. He is an above average quarterback. He is not good enough. 
I think I've realized this, and Stephen A. has too, but I don't think they've come to that realization yet in Dallas. I think they will at some point. So I just looked up where he ranked in Mike Sando's quarterback tiers because I always think that's a great barometer of yeah. of not only who the quarterback is, but how he's viewed across the league. Because and this was on The Athletic earlier this week. Mike Sando writes this column where he talks to a bunch of evaluators and coaches and they help him rank. This is not his ranking. Correct. This is what NFL coaches, evaluators, assistant coaches. Stats think, guys. Th- think of the quarterbacks. Right. Correct. So Dak checks in at number nine. And in the profile, Mike Sando writes, it's Prescott's fourth consecutive season ranking between ninth and 12th. And that's about who he is. He's somewhere between 9 and 12. And unfortunately, when you're going against other players, that other quarterbacks that you have more confidence in to give them the ball when it matters, you're going to lose. And and I think that they thought if the defense is strong enough or if we put strong enough weapons around him, it can mask what he had, his deficiencies. It can mask his deficiencies. But so many times in this league, it comes down to can your quarterback get it done when the pressure is on. And so far, Dak has not done it. It, it, Dak Prescott is like paying Jalen Brown $304 million in the NBA. Like, you can't not do it, but also, do you really want to get that married to that level of money with Jalen Brown, who is really good? Dak Prescott's really good. I, I feel like this segment is going to be taken like we're saying that Dak Prescott stinks. He doesn't. The fact that he lives in the middle is his problem. Because you also have to pay him a massive contract in order to mm-hmm. retain a guy like that. It's the same problem that Kirk Cousins has. I, I hate to tell Cowboy fans this, but Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins have very similar resumes. In many ways, they're the exact same tier of quarterback to me. Good enough to get you only far enough so that you look sad on Center with your black lipstick on every time the Cowboys are discussed. Can you imagine being that fan? You're the face of sad Cowboys fans forever. Do you think you're recognized at, you know, the the gym and the mall and the grocery store as the fan that like you're ah, you're the epitome uh, of sadness. That's you what you're You don't have your lipstick for. on today, but I know you. I know you. Do you think those people are listening right now? Do you think we could track them down cuz I'd much rather interview them than almost any like coach or quarterback in the NFL? <laughs> 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. If you are the sad Cowboys fan, give us a call. We want to talk to you. Well, we know Stephen A. Smith is not a believer on the Cowboys, but what about Dan Orlovsky? Here's our ESPN NFL analyst. To get concerned about the things that I'm hearing in Dallas this whole offseason, the head coach comes out and says, We're going to run the football more next year. That's a different way of saying we're going to take the ball out of our quarterback's hands. Now, the owner continues to harp on, Well, we just we can't turn the football over, we can't turn the football over, we can't turn the football over. That's a fundamental part of football. And then Dak makes the guarantee I won't throw 15 interceptions. I'm getting concerned, and if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd get concerned that my quarterback is going to start playing cautious, that my quarterback <laughs> is going to start playing scared. And let me be real here, you ain't going to beat Philadelphia you're playing that way. I also love that they're so focused on the interceptions and that part of their belief that Dak can reduce those is because of Mike McCarthy, because when he coached Brett Favre, he went from a league high in interceptions to from 29 to 19. He did the same thing with Aaron Rodgers, who had double digit interceptions and Mike McCarthy reduced them. However, what they they view Mike McCarthy as the reason why Dak can get better, but he's the first to go if he's not. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, that kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? I, I get. I would also add this. Okay, I, I'm 
a stat guy just like everybody else. You know, I love going in and looking at advanced metrics, and, and certainly I know that Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions last year. But to me, what defines a franchise quarterback, Michelle, isn't whether you throw interceptions. It's how you overcome the mistakes that you make over the course of a game that defines your level of greatness. So it's possible that a guy could lead the league in interceptions and still, like, say what you want about Eli Manning. He was right in this area. Mm. Threw too many picks sometimes. He was between 9 and 12 in everybody's quarterback rankings. He's probably not a Hall of Famer on the surface, except for against the Patriots with two minutes to go in the Super Bowl. He's exactly the quarterback that you wanted leading the team. So that's how I define what a franchise quarterback is, and it's the reason that the Dax and the Kirk Cousins, to me, just don't pass the test because I don't have the confidence they're going to lead that drive. In the same way that I know Patrick Mahomes is going to every freaking time like clockwork. He's Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, is the pressure from Jerry Jones good for the Cowboys? We'll ask a former NFL head coach next. But first, Aaron has this from Vivid Seats. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And Michelle, here at Canty and Carlin, we are all fired up about the stretch run of the MLB season. And luckily for you, our friends at Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, have great deals on great seats with a huge selection of tickets to this year's hottest matchups. Experience every crack of the bat, every dive and catch, every heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
there's a code, there's a way things are done in that house. You know, this past week, it's frustrating and it sucks, but we're all susceptible to it. You can tell that it hurt his feelings. I think there was probably a bit of embarrassment there. The Jets seem to me to be very concerned about all the things that are said about them and all the things that are being done around them. And none of those things make a damn bit of difference. So the reality is the Jets have a tough schedule. They've got six tough games at the very beginning, and they need not to get buried. Alongside Aaron Goldhammer, I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And now we welcome in our ESPN NFL analyst, Herm Edwards, who joins us now. And Coach, I want to start there with coaches. We all read the comments and heard Sean Payton's comments about Nathaniel Hackett in USA Today. We heard Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala respond, and Nathaniel Hackett finally responded as well. And he referenced a coach's code that was broken when Sean Payton had those things to say about him. Can you tell us about that? Is there a coach's code in the NFL, and did Sean Payton break it? Well, you can call it whatever you want. There's professionalism. Uh, The thing about uh, the National Football League is that generally – whether you be a player or a coach, eventually you're going to inher- inherit somebody's position. That's just how it works. And with that being said, um, you know, the coach or the player that you just replaced, um, you don't get into what he did or how he played or how he coached. That's just not part of it. It's never been a part of it. And I've been fortunate enough to be in the league over 30 years as a player, as a coach, it's a lot of different positions. And you just kind of know that. Um, Sean knew that. Um, he just got out of he got out of sorts. Uh, I'm glad he came back the next day and said something about it. And Nathaniel Hackett knows it very well. You know, Nathaniel Hackett, believe it or not, this is why I'm aging myself. Paul Hackett, his father, was a GA when I was a freshman at Cal Berkeley. Okay? That's how far I go back with the Hackett family. Then Paul Hackett was my offensive coordinator with the New York Jets. And his son, along with my son, would have all worked. So I go that far back with the Hackett family. And I thought he handled it good. I thought what he said was appropriate. Um, but I think the bigger thing is what Aaron Rodgers said. And I think that galvanized this football team. This football team's all of a sudden getting talked about as much as the Dallas Cowboys. Every other day we're talking about the New York Jets of the Dallas Cowboys. So um, they understand that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers understands it. Uh, this team is, is predicted to maybe win the division. Some people are predicting to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but it's about winning games. And you look at their schedule, it's pretty tough the first six games. Um, Herm, what do you think – how do you think what happened is going to change the way the two teams play on the field against each other, if at all? That's just stuff. That's what the media will project, and we'll be talking about it week five. Oh, you know, look, players want to win. They're playing a good football team. If you're the Denver Broncos, the season you went through last year, uh, now you've got a new head coach, uh, you've got new coordinators, uh, and you feel like, you know what, this is one of the games, whether it's the Jets or whoever now. The talk will be about, obviously, uh, Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett. That'll, that'll be the buzz all week. Players don't care about that. They don't play against coaches. They look at the tape and go, this is where i got to defend or this is where i got to try to beat on offense. Because ain't no coach hitting nobody. They stand on the sideline, by the way, last time I checked. <laughs> 
He's our ESPN NFL analyst, Herm Edwards. And Herm, we talked about the Jets, so now let's talk about the Cowboys. You're right. They're the two teams well, that we, we seem to talk about all the time. So let's <laughs> Play do it. the hits, Coach. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jerry Jones has come out. He has, has not minced words at all. He thinks the Cowboys are a championship team. He said this new offense is, quote, Dak-friendly. So much of what we talk about when we project the Cowboys' success as if Dak Prescott can get it done. When you look at him, Coach, as a quarterback, do you think he's a quarterback that can lead this team to a Super Bowl? Sure. He has enough opponents around him, enough material around him. This is a, this team won 24 football games in the last two years. And Jerry's right. They will challenge the Eagles to win that division. Uh, they're our playoff team, and they know that. Their problem is very simple. How does Mike McCartney and Dan Quinn get the star players on this team? And they have a bunch of them. You can go down the list on defense, Parsons, Diggs. They, they, they got them all. Gilmore, they, they got a bunch of guys. Dak, I mean, whoever you want to name, right? Brandon Cooks, okay. Can they live up to the star on the side of their helmet in playoff competition? And that has been their Achilles heel. Since 1995, they have not gotten to the division round, won a division round game. That's the Dallas Cowboys in a nutshell. And so that's what they got to do. As far as all that other stuff, Jerry can talk. Jerry's the best promoter in the National Football League. There's no doubt about it. He's got the Cowboys. Everybody always talking about the Cowboys. When they get in the playoffs, their star players need to show up and not say, well, I should have played better. I wish this wouldn't happen. They, they got to get past that. Coach, I think because Tom left, went to Tampa, and won a Super Bowl, there's mm. a little bit of a perception that, you know, he gets more credit than – do you still feel like Bill Belichick is at the peak of his powers and is the best coach in the NFL? He's going to go down in history as one of the best coaches in the National Football. Uh, I've known Bill a long time. I knew he was a college coach. When I was playing in the National Football League, I can remember he visited one of our camps. Him and Nick Saban, they were, they were working for Michigan State at that time. Uh, what he's done with that organization, uh, I mean – Look, the only people that are chasing him now are the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they, these guys won, what, 11 division titles or something like that? Tom Brady. And look, if you go back historically and you look at coaches that have long runs and have gone to Super Bowls and have been in the championship games a bunch, they're both saddled with a good quarterback. That's just part of the deal. And, and Tom Brady is going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. But if you look at organizations that have long winning traditions, you can go back to Bill Walsh's day. He had two pretty good quarterbacks, Joe Legend, Montana, and Steve Young, right? I mean, so you just go back and look at the history of it all, and, and that's, that's the connection, the head coach and the quarterback. I know I was a better coach when Chad Pennington was healthy. We were in the playoffs every year. We won a division with Chad Pennington. He's our ESPN NFL analyst, Herm Edwards. Great insight as always, Coach. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Coach. Thank you both. Thank you. He's Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, we get to your calls. Plus, Aaron went to Brown's camp and he had a unique experience. He's going to tell us about it next. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Camp to camp, every rep, team to team. It's on this field where fortunes are made or lost. Continuing coverage. The countdown to kickoff rolls on. 36 days until the NFL season begins. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. The NFL lives here. ESPN Radio. This guy had so many bottles at the club, even the ugly girl got a sip. Wow. Wow. On many levels. I didn't know that Aaron Goldhammer was a Posty fan. You know how Taylor Swift fans are Swifties? What are, uh-huh. the, are, are they called Posties? Post Maloners? <laughs> the Maloners? The Maloners. <laughs> that sounds incredibly uncool for a guy that is very yeah, cool. Yeah, I respect. I like Post Malone. You know what got me really excited? I don't know if you saw this, but ESPN PR, public relations yesterday, put out oh, a hype yes. video for the college football season with the new Post Malone song. I got to give a standing ovation to everybody who is involved in producing that. Talk about giving you the chills and the feels. I'll put it up, Michelle, on my Twitter at HammerNation19. If you want to take a minute or two to get excited about, about the fact that college football is right around the corner, this will get your blood boiling. I could not wait for week zero watching this. Oh, my gosh. Post Malone and college football, Aaron Hammer lo- Aaron Goldhammer loves it. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And uh, let's take some calls. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Scott in Virginia is on the line, Aaron, and he wants to talk about Jerry Jones. Hey, Scott, Scott, what do you have for us? What's up, bud? Uh, first off, we have football tomorrow, guys. It's finally here. Yeah, the Hall of I Fame no game. I, am so happy. Go. I got the Browns minus the two, Scott. It's my pick. <laughs> Uh, my issue is the Jerry Giants does this every year. Comes out brandishing everything, saying that oh, Dallas has tightened up this, tightened up that. They're looking really good. He's a GM. He's sitting there just trying to sugarcoat everything he can out of it. He has no run game right now. He has a running back suspended. He's sitting there basing this off of receivers that have concussion issues and a receiver that can't stay healthy on the field. He's sitting there putting all this pressure on Dak. And Jerry is having trouble with his O-line right now trying to protect him. Not to mention it's aging as well. Yeah, but I I mean, remember what now, Scott, appreciate the call, is the definition of a good season for the Cowboys. Because they've gotten to the playoffs. You know, they've been right there. They they won their division two years ago, and they were a— high-seeded wild card who won a playoff game last year so to me i don't know is it about winning the super bowl because i don't think they stink michelle like i'm not i'm not gonna pick them to go four and 13 no but i think the measure of success is in fact a super bowl when you have your owner coming out saying this is a championship team he is setting the standard are they a super bowl contender in your mind yes I think that the they're not coming out of the NFC. Not with that quarterback. The if they were in the AFC, I'd say absolutely not. 
I oh. think the in the NFC, the path is much clearer. They'll be a playoff team for sure in my mind. Do I think that they'll get there? No. But as of right now on August 2nd, are they in the contender category for me? Yes. I think we've figured out if they play San Francisco in a playoff game that they're going <laughs> to lose. I think we've officially gone down that road to figure out exactly where that matchup stands. But in the NFC, you would put the Eagles. You're going to put the 49ers. You're not putting the Cowboys in that conversation for Super Bowl contenders? Not on their tier, no. I would say they're a tier down because I don't trust their quarterback with the game on the line. And at some point, your season's going to come down to that. Well, we don't know if we're going to trust Deshaun Watson on the football field. He had a rough year last year. The Browns are certainly hoping that he has a bounce back season. You're in Cleveland. You were at Browns camp. Tell us some of the observations that you've had over at camp, Aaron. So it was my first day of camp yesterday because the Browns had been in West Virginia for the beginning of training camp and I didn't go. So this was the first practice that I attended. A couple of interesting phenomenon, one on the field, one off the field. On the field, the Browns don't scream at practice, which mm. I thought was interesting. I, you know, normally you've got football coaches that are like the strength coaches, like yelling at somebody constantly. Yeah. Like we just had. A- Aaron, are you there? Oh, we have lost Aaron. We will Hello. get him back here. Oh, there he is. Aaron, are you Hello. there? Hello. Hey, yes. Okay, We lost yes. you there for a second. You got so hyped up about coaches not yelling that we lost you for a second. Well, I don't know what happened. I could hear you the entire time. Um, oh, but my my point is I thought it was an, interesting that practice was sort of more cerebral. It was mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. – there was a lot of light conversation going on. Nobody – there were no F-bombs dropped at this practice hmm. at all. And I just – that was a little bit surprising to me. The other thing, Michelle, I want to get your take on is do you have rules about jerseys? Do you own a sports jersey? Not a single one. Not one. And I would never wear one. I saw – jerseys of players at this practice yesterday that I didn't realize still existed and I I saw a Brady Quinn jersey at this practice I saw a Baker Mayfield jersey he plays for somebody else that's okay I saw a Johnny Manziel jersey at this practice JFF also an era Barkevius Mingo, like you really, like some of these, like this is what goodwill is for, people. (laughs) You made a mistake. Let it go. Let it go. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.